Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Could you resist the temptation of reading somebody else's diary? Today's podcast is dedicated to the phenomenal success of The Money Diaries, a series on the US consumer website Refinery29 that has enabled women around the world to anonymously share their financial spending secrets. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's personal finance editor, and on the podcast today, I will be joined by a host of special guests to discuss the phenomenon. The Money Diaries promises to break what it calls the last taboo facing modern working women, namely talking about our finances. Its writers disclose their salaries, their savings, major outgoings and debts alongside a seven-day spending diary, tracking every last penny or cent that they part with. The addictive appeal of the Money Diaries series lies in the highly confessional nature of the anonymous entries and content that just begs to be commented on. People were quick to slap down this 26-year-old freelance writer living in London, earning £14,000 per year, who nevertheless admitted to paying for an expensive brunch on her credit card. I'm in £1,150 of credit card debt and I'm feeling afraid. But there's still something deep in my soul that cries out against weekly budgets and monthly Oyster card passes and packed lunches. I just love Pret and Uber and buying rounds. And if I'm never going to be able to afford a pension plan, then maybe I might as well numb the pain with a Chipotle chicken toasted tortilla for lunch. However, not all of the diary entries are from women who are struggling with money. One of the more aspirational money diaries on Refinery29 details the finances of a 32-year-old tech worker from Manhattan on a salary of $123,000 per year, plus bonus and stock options. I had about $93,000 in grad school loans. I made payments for two years and then worked out an arrangement with my mother. After my father passed away, she sold my childhood home and paid off the loan in its entirety. In return, I bought her a $300,000 condo. I am paying off a mortgage toward an asset at $1,500 a month and paying lower interest rates than my student loans. Wins all around. Absent this arrangement, I would be paying $1,000 per month towards grad school loans instead of my mortgage payments. Now, that same writer also confessed in her money diary that she had a very different attitude towards credit card debt. One of my credit cards was offering interest-free purchases for a year, so I made a major purchase this summer that I had been putting off for a while. I could pay off the whole thing now, but that doesn't make sense financially when the debt is interest-free, whereas my blue-chip stock is generating profit. It makes more sense to keep that money invested for now and then pay the credit card off in its entirety a couple of months in advance of the end of the interest-free period. 
Now we've given you a taste of what The Money Diaries has to offer, it is my great pleasure to welcome its creator, Lindsay Stanbury, to the FT Money podcast, and she joins us on the line from New York. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. But can I ask, when you started The Money Diaries in 2016, did you ever think that it would become such a worldwide phenomenon? No, we really had no idea. I was initially hesitant to try them. I was a little worried that they were going to be boring. The idea came from another editor that I work with, Jessica Chow. And we really love to experiment at Refinery29. So, you know, I figured what was the harm. But as soon as I read the first one, I knew we were on to something. And when we started publishing them, we immediately had women reaching out asking to share their stories. And and that kind of gave me a sense that, that we were on to something, that there was there was something exciting about women being able to tell their financial narrative. Well, and certainly the the urge to share is catching. I mean, you've told us that you're sent dozens of anonymous entries from women around the world each week. I mean, what is it that you think makes people want to share their deepest financial secrets? I don't think that most of the time we have an outlet to tell these stories. It is still a topic that makes people very uncomfortable. And there's a lot of judgment around it. And I think in some ways, sharing your diary anonymously with the world, even if you're going to face some criticism in the comments, it's easier than, you know, telling your best friend your salary. So I think it's a great outlet for women to really tell their stories. I also think that oftentimes women are not the center of pop culture narrative, right? We're often Mm. not the stars of movies and TV and books. We're just really beginning to come into our own in these categories. And this is an example of we give normal women an opportunity to star for a day in the story of their lives. And I think that's really exciting for people. I completely agree. But also your website says that money is the last taboo facing the modern working woman. How is the existence of the Money Diaries helping to bust this last taboo? Yeah, I think that it is still taboo, but that we are seeing people so willing to share shows that we're ready to discard it. You know, we're we're tired of it. We we do want to talk about money. And I um I I wrote a book that just came out this year, Refinery 29 Money Diaries. And I went on a four-city book tour across the U.S., and it was amazing to hear young women come up to me and talk to me about their personal finances and taking away the screen and telling me very personal stories about how they're saving for money or they're struggling with debt and then sharing these stories with each other. So I think that, yes, we had grown up with this idea that we were not supposed to talk about money, but we're beginning to shed that. And I really think that Money Diaries has helped give women a language to talk about it and encourage them to do so. And you've even been inspired to write a book answering some of the more common questions that have been placed via the diaries on the website. Yeah, it was exciting with the book to be able to take the fun, voyeuristic element of the diaries and tie it with financial education that I think is so important. I think that it's great for us to talk about money, but then we need to take it one step forward and really educate ourselves and become more confident in the way we manage our money. And we should say that Lindsay Stanbury's book, which is called... Um, The book is called Refinery29 Money Diaries. 
everything you've ever wanted to know about your finances and everyone else's. Fantastic. And that is available to listeners around the world. Um, in fact, can buy it online via the usual outlets. There's also a link in the piece on the money section, which you can access on our website online, ft.com slash money. Thanks so much there to Lindsay Stanbury of Refinery29. Thank you so much for having me. Now, the Money Diaries features financial confessionals sent in from women around the world, but one very memorable diary detailed the spending habits of a 25-year-old drag queen from London with an annual income of £16,000 per year. I don't ever pack lunches. I decided a few years ago that I'd rather be broke than be someone who packs lunches. I'm a drag queen, so why should I not be glamorous? Um, my friend and I go for a ritual hangover KFC, £6.80. It's the best thing in the world. I feel alive again. Until the man in the park starts screaming homophobic slurs at me. Other diaries tackle the financial calamity of motherhood. This entry was written by a 35-year-old mother of two who had just resigned from her job as an advertising sales director where she earned £90,000 per year. Given that my husband and I have the same salary, this is a huge drop in our household income. We've also just renovated our home using our mortgage and combined savings and are hoping to sell out and undergo a hard Lexit, a departure from London to a remote rural area. With two frenetic offspring permanently in tow, in-store shopping opportunities must meet the following thrilling criteria. A. Access. Aisles must be large enough to accommodate the double buggy and B. Ambience. There must be enough background noise to mask my children's screaming. As a result, 90% of my non-supermarket-based purchases are made online. Joining me now in the studio is Jennifer Thompson, the FT journalist who's written all about the Money Diaries in the Money section this week. Welcome, Jennifer. Hello. When it comes to the Money Diaries, you are a self-confessed addict, but what is it about this series that appeals to you? Well, when I first came across them online initially, I was like, wow, I'd never really seen anything like it before in terms of detail. I mean, I think we've all seen sort of fictional um, scenarios our bank managers come up with to try and sell us products and also on financial pages where it's talking about things like pensions and property planning. Um, Those don't really speak to someone like me. I was really stunned by the level of detail the women went into about their lives and, you know, what was going through their heads when they made the purchase. I think the the appeal really is, um, you know, on a basic level, like most people and certainly all journalists, I'm incredibly nosy. So, you know, although they are, you know, anonymous, it is still, you know, really thrilling to to go through in that level of detail. And and over the course of a whole week, I think we might have days where we do things out of the ordinary, but over a week you can get a sense of how someone socialises, what they like, what their working life is like. So I think really it was just the, you know, the, the level of detail really does pull you in. And then obviously as the series has become popular, what they've been really good at doing is trying to get in different ages. You know, I think they ran one recently on a retired lady um, living in the UK in, in you know, in, in Cornwall, a, in, yeah, in, yes. in a rural area. So again, something you know, quite quite different. So you've got different backgrounds, different ages. So yeah, it's it's just a very interesting insight to a variety of, of different lives. Now, with the exception of the drag queen, of course, all of the entries are from women. And in your FT article talking about the phenomenon of, of the diaries, you mentioned the very real financial disadvantages that women face from the gender pay gap to the gender pensions gap 
to even the preference for cash savings over investing in the stock market. I mean, do men and women have different attitudes when it comes to managing their finances, do you think? I'm extremely wary of making generalisations. And, you know, the truth is that there's a wide range of attitudes for both. Um, You know, however, the reality is that there is still, unfortunately, a a financial gap. And that's, you know, usually, or certainly at this point in history, will widen over the course of a, a woman's life. And research does show the confidence, you know, is an issue. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that women are you know, inherently better or worse at managing their finances with men. Clearly, that is is not the case. But, you know, time and time again, you know, you look at surveys that wealth managers and banks conduct um, with their customers, and it seems that women you know, on the whole, do tend to lack a little bit of confidence relative to their male peers. Now, it's not clear to me what the reasons for that are. You know, it might start pretty early. It might, you know, have its roots in things like, um, you know, attitudes which creep in in education where girls, you know, are told that they can't be as good as maths at boys. You know, it might also be to do with things like sexism in the financial advice industry, where a lot of women see, you know, Um, middle-aged, primarily male financial advisors and maybe think that the advice doesn't speak to them or conversely, sometimes it can really backfire when people try and aim financial advice at women and they package it in a certain way that is incredibly patronising. Pinking it and shrinking it. Exactly, yes. yes. So, you know, I would say that the conversation is, is there to be had, but once women get started, then, you know, clearly there are no... But to my mind, there was, you know, are no inherent differences in how well women manage their finances. It was quite amusing. I mean, one thing I did find in the course of researching this piece was Vice, the online magazine, is a bit similar to Refinery29. They did a, a money diary of a young man. And I think the only lesson you can really draw from that is that men are just as good as women at spending money on coffee and not saving and making mindless purchases. It was done in a bit of a tongue-in-cheek fashion. But I think if you anonymised it completely or did a gender-blind diary, you'd find very little difference in spending diaries between men and women of a similar age. Well, thanks very much there to Jennifer Thompson. Stay with us as we move the discussion on. But I should say at this point, if you would like to read Jenny's article about the Money Diaries, you can access it for free online on the FT website. Go to ft.com slash money and it will be one of the top articles. Now, I'll bring in our third guest on the podcast today, Emily Bellet, the former banker turned entrepreneur who has set up Vespod, an online platform that aims to empower women financially through its content, community and also a events. So Emily, you have also been inspired by the money diaries in your business and the way in particular that the series has got people talking about their finances in new ways. Hi Claire. So I think the money diaries are actually a great way to start talking about money. I mean, even try to do your exercise yourself. Uh, It's quite challenging to write all these numbers and become real about how much you earn and how much you're spending. And I think it's also a liberating exercise and that will help you to start talking about money and have this first money conversation. I think most of us never received any financial education. So it's really important that we find somewhere where we can actually start doing this. I think I was reading some research uh, in the US around financial literacy test, and it has been shown that when you remove the option of answering, I don't know, men and women scored as high. So there's also a problem of confidence and maybe the money diaries are really helping women uh, to boost their own confidence uh, related to money. And having this money conversation is helping us every day. It will help us uh, negotiate our salary. It will help us negotiate a mortgage or buy financial product. 
And I think in the end, educating women financially, it's also addressing a public uh, that's been excluded from the conversation, that has been marginalized. And it forces us to rethink uh, the way we talk about money uh, and communicate about our finances. And in the end, it makes finance more accessible. And that should also help financial services who've been like isolated and who want to reach uh, the, like a broader public, basically. Well, some excellent points there. But you would also like to shift the conversation on from being one about spending and debt to one that's more about income and investments. How are you planning to do that? Yeah, so I launched Vespod uh, basically two years ago to get people to talk more about money and empower women financially. My background is in finance, is in private equity. And even if I was working in finance, I never had this difficult uh, money conversation. If you think about it, there's a massive gap in financial advice, and that has been proven by the Treasury and, and the FCA. Financial advice is expensive, it can be intimidating, and it's not well adjusted the challenges we face as women. And second, financial products are becoming more and more complicated. There's a lot of apps, there's a lot of new banks out there. So you have to be quite informed as a user uh, of your choices and this this can be quite difficult. So from the newsletter I also started to organize uh, workshops and classes and I get women in the room and we learn everything from budgeting, writing your financial goals, investing, we learn about cryptocurrencies, real estate, money and mindfulness and all these classes have become extremely popular so uh, we are boosting confidence as well as educating people. And there's also a very strong community following Vespod and women will learn from the classes, but they will also learn from each other. So I think we're all on a journey towards financial independence. And it's really, really important that we have this conversation about money. We also launch our own version of the Money Diaries and it's called What on Earth Are We Doing With Our Money? So it's taking one step further, this, this Money Diaries. And I'm asking women anonymously, how much are you earning? What's your net worth? How much are you investing in the stock market? Do you have a pension? What are you investing in? What are your financial goals? So it's trying to show that women are actually investing some money, even if they are not 100% confident. It shows them that you can start and get going with investing. And if I were to submit an online anonymous entry for the Vestpod Money Diaries, how would I go about calculating my net worth? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's something that you can also find on Vestpod. Uh, so that's basically your assets minus your liabilities. And you'll see the exact calculation of basically trying to understand everything you own. So do you own a place? How much savings do you have? How much do you have on your investment accounts, how much you have in your pensions, and then you can deduct what you owe. So basically, that's going to be all your debt. Do you have a mortgage? Do you have credit card debts? Do you have student loans? And you'll get to this magical number of net worth. So also doing this exercise and giving this number for real, it's quite challenging. And it could also provide a target in terms of, you know what your net worth is now, but by the time you're, you're 40 or 50, you potentially want it to be a higher number, Jenny Thompson. Yeah, I think the model on Vestpod, what on earth are we doing with our money? You know, it, it's almost like a sort of a, a worksheet kind of model where, you know, you sort of instantly start thinking, well, what would my net wealth be? And, you know, doing a back in the envelope calculation about mortgage, pension, etc. And all the things um, Emily spoke about. So, you know, I think that is a really good good starting point as well. You know, you are looking at an individual, but, um, you know, it provides a good framework for working through those categories and wondering, you know, how you'd, you'd score yourself. 
Well, thanks very much there to Emily Bellet. You can read more about Vestpod on its website, vestpod.com, which also contains details of their events and the Vestpod Money Diaries. There's just time for me to plug a confessional event of our own. FT readers will have the opportunity to quiz the University Challenge star, Bobby Seagull, at our London offices on the evening of Monday the 26th of November. The maths teacher from East London will be talking about how numbers changed his life and could change yours. Tickets are on sale now, costing £40 and include a signed copy of Bobby's new book, The Life-Changing Magic of Numbers. For more details and to view full terms and conditions, go to ft.com slash seagull. If you'd like to get in touch with the FT Money team, tell us what you would put in your own money diary or comment on any of our articles, our email address is money at ft.com and you can also follow us on Twitter at FT Money. We will be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.